The Old Testament reading for today is Joshua 1, 1 through 9. Joshua 1, 1 through 9. And the New Testament reading and the sermon text is Luke 5, 1 through 11. The thing that these two texts have in common is that in both of them, uh, servants of the Lord are called and commissioned uh, by God uh, to minister to His people. Joshua 1, 1-9. through 9. Hear now the reading of God's most holy word. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the, wilder, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success." Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous? Do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Let us go now to Luke 5 and read verses 1 through 11, where we read an account of the calling of Jesus' first disciples. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he, Jesus, asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let your nets down for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, He fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land... They left everything and followed Him. This now the reading of God's most holy word. May He bless the preaching of it this morning. 
I do love the story of Luke 5, 1 through 11. Clearly, it is about the calling of the first disciples of Jesus. Jesus called three common men, fishermen, to follow Him as His special disciples. Simon, who is also called Peter, is highlighted in this story, but James and John, the son of Zebedee, are also mentioned. And as you can see, Jesus called them in a very miraculous way. I suppose He could have just said to them, follow me. But He said to them, follow me. In this way, He called them in a miraculous way. They had toiled all night and had caught nothing. Jesus commanded them to put out their nets once more. This, by the way, would have been a hassle. Uh, They had packed everything away and were ready to go home, but they obeyed Jesus' command. And they pulled in an amazingly large number of fish. Clearly, Peter and his business partners uh, considered this haul of fish to be miraculous, for it, it provoked Peter to fall down at Jesus' feet and to say, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. And so Peter and others who were with him interpreted this as a great miracle. In fact, the text says, All who were with Peter were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. This, of course, included James and John, the sons of Zebedee. So Jesus called Peter and his associates, saying, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. And this call, coupled with the miracle performed, compelled these three men to leave everything and to follow after Jesus. So then, most basically, this story is about the calling of Jesus' first disciples, three men who would soon become the core of Jesus' band of apostles, Peter, James, and John. But I want you to see, brothers and sisters, that there is a lot more to this story. I would like to suggest to you That this miraculous event involving a great catch of fish, coupled with the calling of Jesus' first disciples, who would soon be His apostles, His sent out ones, it is meant to be interpreted in a metaphorical way. And by that I mean this historical event involving the miraculous catch of fish at Jesus' command was intended by Jesus to symbolize things. The text itself points us in this direction. When, after the miracle is performed, Jesus speaks to Simon Peter, saying, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. So then the miracle of the great harvest of fish was meant by Jesus to function as a sign or symbol of the great harvest of men that would be accomplished through Peter, James, and John, the other apostles also. Indeed, this great harvest of men, symbolized by the great catch of fish, would be accomplished by the whole church through the preaching of the Word of Christ. And I think you should know that many of the older commentators, ancient and Reformed, do not miss this symbolism, but are faithful to draw it out. And I hope to do the same thing with you this morning, so let us take some time to draw out the riches contained within this passage. One, please see that by performing this miracle, Jesus did demonstrate that He was the Lord's Messiah who had come to establish God's eternal kingdom. I want you to remember that Jesus had been healing the sick. He had been casting out demons throughout the region of Galilee. This He did while preaching the good news of the kingdom of God, as Luke 4.43 says. The miracles He performed functioned as a sign, therefore, that the message He preached was true, that the kingdom of God was in fact present with power, 
and that He was indeed the Lord's promised Messiah, the King of this eternal kingdom. So, Jesus has been performing miracles, and these miracles have functioned as a sign. They have been a demonstration that the power of the kingdom of God was present, and that He indeed was the King of this kingdom. Here, Jesus performs a different kind of miracle. He demonstrates that He has authority even over the fish of the sea. And brothers and sisters, I think it is right for us to see this miracle, like all of the others, as being connected with the theme of Christ's preaching, namely the good news of the kingdom of God. We ought not to divorce the preaching of Christ as He came and preached the good news of the kingdom of God from the miracles. The miracles are meant to testify concerning the truthfulness of all that Christ was saying, but also they meant to to demonstrate something of the power of this kingdom. Christ cast out demons. Why? To show that His kingdom would overthrow the kingdom of darkness and even... Now He had begun to do so at the word of His power. He he brought healing to the sick to demonstrate that He will heal us spiritually, yes, but He will heal us in this kingdom even physically in the age to come. We have talked about these things. And here I am saying that this miracle that Jesus performed involving this great harvest of fish cannot be divorced from Christ's preaching. He was preaching in the boat, and then the boat was set out. This miracle was performed, I think, in order to signify something about his kingdom, the kingdom that was now present, the kingdom that he would establish, the kingdom that he would build until the end of the age. Two, by this miracle, the miracle of the great catch of fish at the hands of Peter, Jesus showed that his kingdom, the kingdom that he proclaimed and came to establish, would expand through his apostles. Can you see that in the text here? He is here demonstrating to us. Uh, through this miracle, that this kingdom that He proclaimed would expand through His apostles. Think of it, up to this point, Jesus had ministered alone. He alone, with the exception of His forerunner, John the Baptist, preached the good news of the kingdom of God. But here He begins to call disciples to Himself. And not only does He call disciples to Himself, He works through them and promises to work through them in a greater way in the future. Notice that Jesus did not haul in the great catch of fish with His own hands, but He determined to do it by the hands of Peter and His associates. It was Peter, James, and John who were commissioned by Christ to go out into the sea and cast their nets. And it was the hands of Peter, James, and John who cast the nets into the sea and gathered them in again after the word of Christ filled their nets with a superabundance of fish. If you and I were reading this gospel for the first time, and if we were unfamiliar with the story of the rest of the New Testament, we would probably ask ourselves the question, what is the significance of this? Who is this character, Simon? Who are his associates, James and John? What will they become? What does this event mean as it pertains to to the kingdom that Christ was uh, proclaiming? Why did Jesus decide to work this miracle through their hands? Uh, These are the questions we should ask. And the answer is that this miracle worked through Peter, James, and John signifies what was to come. The kingdom of God that Christ preached, the kingdom that He came to build, the kingdom of which He is King, would be built not by Himself only, but by His Word and even through His Apostles. It would be through His Apostles that Christ would expand this kingdom. Three, 
by this miracle, Jesus showed that his kingdom would expand through the preaching of the gospel and the ingathering of his elect into his church. Jesus preached. He preached the good news of the kingdom. And his preaching was primary. As has been said already, the miracles he performed were a support to his preaching. They were a demonstration that his words were true, that he was the promised Messiah, and of what he came to do. In this instance, Jesus preached, notice, not in a synagogue, as was his custom, but from a boat. The boat of Simon Peter became his pulpit. Can you picture this now? Uh, The crowds had gathered around. They had pressed in upon him. Jesus got into a boat and he asked that the boat be put off from shore just a bit. The boat of Simon Peter became the pulpit of Jesus in this instance. His custom had been to preach in the synagogues of the Jews. But in this instance, he is preaching out in the open, in the world as it were. And he is preaching from the boat of Simon Peter. Some have noticed this and have, in fact, drawn meaning from this fact, this transition from preaching in the synagogues to preaching in the boat of Simon Peter. It is not that Jesus will not preach in the synagogues anymore, but in the narrative, that is is the transition that we here witness. Some have noticed this and have have said that the boat of Simon Peter um, does signify the transition from the Jewish synagogue to the church. And I think it is true. I think it is right for us to interpret this text this way. If, if, we were, if we were biblicists, we might not be able to do so, because we would say, well, the text does not say it explicitly. But if we interpret the Scriptures theologically, as we are meant to, then we do, and see, do indeed see that there is a transition taking place here. There is a transition taking place, a moving away from the synagogue of Moses, you see, and a moving towards uh, the the mobile uh, transportation vehicle, the boat of of Simon Peter. I think there is signified here this kind of transition. Uh, Some have wondered, as I just said, if Peter's boat symbolizes the church. And I think it does, given how the story of the expansion of the kingdom of God will develop from here. I do think that this boat of Simon Peter does, in this instance, symbolize the church. Jesus preached the good news of the kingdom to the people from Peter's boat. And then to signify how things would go from here, he commanded Peter to put out into the deep and to let his nets down for a catch. I do think that the command to put out into the deep is to remind us of the great commission uh, that would soon be uttered. Go and make disciples of all nations, Jesus will tell his apostles. And here at the beginning of his ministry, he calls Peter, James, and John to himself, but he does so in this miraculous way. He tells them to get into the boat and to put it out into the deep and to let down their nets. And when they do, they haul in this great and miraculous catch. Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night long and took nothing. That is Luke 5, 5. And some have suggested that the words, Master, we toiled all night long and took nothing, are meant to signify the fruitlessness of the Old Covenant era as it pertains to the salvation of the nations. The Hebrews were set apart from the nations, and through them the nations of the earth were to be blessed. You may see Genesis 12 to learn about that. 
But from the days of Abraham to the days of Jesus, the nations were largely left in darkness as it pertains to the light of the gospel and the kingdom of God. There were little there were little small instances of, of the nations being drawn into Israel to give glory to the God of Israel, yes. But by and large, that old covenant era was, was fruitless as it pertains to the salvation of the nations. And some have noticed that these words that came out of Peter's mouth, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, are meant to signify this fruitless era. But then Peter says, But at your word, I will let down the nets. And I think this symbolizes how Simon Peter and the other apostles with him would answer the call to go and make disciples of all nations. They would go. Simon Peter, the other apostles would go. They would proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel of the kingdom uh, to, to the world. They would go to the ends of the earth. And then through them, the church would go as well. And indeed, a great haul of fish would be hauled in. When Simon Peter obeyed the command of Christ, their nets were filled. They enclosed a large number of fish, even to the point that their nets were breaking. So what does the letting down of nets signify in this miraculous metaphor? It signifies the preaching of the gospel of the kingdom of Christ to all nations. And what does the large haul of fish signify? It signifies the success of the gospel of the kingdom. In due time, the gospel of the kingdom would be preached by Peter and others. God's word would not return empty, Isaiah 55, 11. Christ's church would be built, and the gates of hell would not prevail against it, Matthew 16, 18. Christ's kingdom would certainly advance, prosper, and be established for all eternity, God's elect from every tongue, tribe, and nation will certainly be brought into Christ's kingdom and kept in it. Christ will catch His fish, and this He will do through His apostles by the preaching of the Word of God. That is what was signified in this miraculous event. So then, the sea is the world. The casting of nets is the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The fish are those who respond to the gospel in faith. And who is commissioned to preach this gospel? It is the apostles of Jesus Christ who were commissioned to preach it. And through them, we, the church, are commissioned to preach it also. But who will fill the nets? Who is the one that causes these nets to be full? It is Christ who will fill the nets by His Word and through the miracle of regeneration as the Spirit works. And where will these fish be gathered, brothers and sisters? Where will they be gathered? Not into Moses' synagogue, but into Peter's boat. That is to say, into the church of Jesus Christ. Peter got the message, uh, brothers and sisters. So too did James and John. The text tells us that Peter fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. He knew what this meant. He knew that Jesus was the Lord incarnate, the Holy One of Israel come in the flesh. And he also knew that he was a sinful man. Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, he said. And I think this reaction from Peter should remind us of the reaction of Isaiah the prophet when the Lord called and commissioned him under the Old Covenant. Isaiah said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. 
Just as Isaiah responded with humility before the Lord as he was commissioned by the Lord to go and to preach, so too Peter responds with the same kind of humility. He bows before the Lord Jesus Christ, confesses that He is the Lord incarnate. He is humbled before the Lord. Peter was humbled by this experience. Every minister of the gospel must obtain this same disposition before he can serve the Lord faithfully. And we do know that Peter would be humbled even more in the years to come. Peter, James, and John also understood the symbolic force of this miracle. Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. So you see that it is Jesus Himself who who fills this miracle with symbolism. From now on, you will not be catching fish. This thing that just happened, this miracle that I just performed through your hands, it's not about fish, Peter. It's about men. From now on, you will be catching men. And then we are told when they had brought their boat to land, they left everything and followed Him. They left their profession. They left the thing that they had done for all these years. And they followed after Jesus. So these men knew that this miracle wasn't about the boats, the nets, the fish, and the sea. It was about preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ to lost souls, urging them to turn from their sins and to trust in Jesus the Messiah. When they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed Him. Peter, James, and John had a lot to learn from this moment onward, didn't they? This marked the beginning of their walk with Jesus. They became Jesus' disciples on this day, at least in a formal sense. And Jesus would teach them a great deal so that they would be effective fishers of men. He would humble them, too, which, as I said, is an essential characteristic of a minister of the Word. I think there is one more observation that I would like to make before concluding with some suggestions for application. Jesus called Peter to follow him in the beginning of his earthly ministry, by sending him out into the sea to cast his nets and to fill them with fish so that he might bring them into his boat. And we should not forget that Jesus recommissioned Peter in the very same way at the end of his earthly ministry after his death, burial, and resurrection and before his ascension. We should remember that Peter was severely humbled by his threefold denial of Christ on the night before Jesus' crucifixion. And Jesus, we should remember, took special care to restore Peter and to send him out with boldness before he ascended to the Father. This whole story is found in John 21, where we read, After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. So he had died, he rose from the dead, and now In 40 days' time, he was revealing himself to his disciples, showing himself to be alive, showing himself to be arisen. And here he reveals himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. And he revealed himself in this way, the text says. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together Simon Peter said to him, I am going fishing. They said to him, We will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Some have wondered if Peter intended to go back to his old way of life, 
uh, maybe the others also. They were discouraged, remember, by the crucifixion of Christ. Uh, Peter was particularly discouraged by his failure. Uh, perhaps the text is suggesting this, but the text goes on to say, Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, Children, do you have any fish? They answered him, No. He said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved, that is how John refers to himself in his gospel, therefore said to Peter, It is the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards off. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place, with fish laid out on it, and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore, full of large fish, a hundred and fifty-three of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Now, this story found in John's Gospel deserves to be considered on its own terms, but it is also worth comparing with the story found in Luke's Gospel. Both stories are about commissioning. In Luke 5, Peter is called and commissioned by Jesus to be a disciple so that he might become a fisher of men. In John 21, Peter is recommissioned after stumbling so that he might be the fisher of men that Christ had called him to be in the beginning. Remember, it is in John 21 that Jesus restores Peter by asking him three times, Do you love me? And then commanding him three times to feed my lambs, tend my sheep, feed my sheep. The threefold questioning and the threefold commissioning were certainly meant to counteract Peter's threefold denial of Christ. Peter and the other apostles were to be fishers of men. They were commissioned by Christ to go out into the deep, to cast the net of the gospel into the waters, and in full reliance on the blessing of Christ to bring into the church all who believed the gospel and profess that Jesus is Lord. And the events at the beginning and end of Jesus' ministry make this very clear. I want you to notice one difference between the two stories, though. In the first event, we should notice that the nets broke as Peter and his partners hauled them in. But in the second occurrence, the one recorded in John 21, we are told that the nets did not break. Why? I think it is because of this. Only after the resurrection of Christ were the disciples fully prepared to go and make disciples of all nations. They were fully prepared at this moment, having seen the risen Lord, to go and to make disciples of all nations. They had seen the risen Lord. They had understand the truth, understood the truth of the gospel. Also, the Holy Spirit would be poured out upon them so that they would be effective to accomplish this work that God had given them to do. So let me conclude now by making a few suggestions for application. I think we should be careful here For none of us have been called to do what Peter, James, and John were called to do exactly. These men were set apart as apostles, and none of us are apostles. Peter, in particular, was to function as the leader of that apostolic band. Nevertheless, with that warning delivered, there is application to be made. Firstly, if any here wish to be a part of Christ's kingdom, and if any wish to be used 
to further his kingdom, then we must come to Christ as Peter did. He humbly fell at Christ's knees and honored him as the great king that he is. To have Jesus as Savior, we must have him as Lord and honor him as king. I think that is an application that can be drawn from this text. Secondly, we should give thanks to God for the way in which He has brought the good news of the kingdom of Christ, even to us who live nearly 2,000 years after the kingdom was inaugurated and on the other side of the world. Truly, the boat of Peter has sailed a long way off into the deep, and the nets of the gospel have been cast very far in order to gather us in. So God has been merciful to us, Gentiles, to bring us the good news about Jesus the Messiah. More than this, God has been merciful to us to catch us in His net and to gather us to Himself by the preaching of His Word and the effectual calling of the Holy Spirit. So we should be grateful. Thirdly, though it is true that Christ called Peter to cast out his net, and though it is true that he commissioned his apostles to go and to make disciples of all nations, it is also true that this commission belongs to us too. The command to go and make disciples of all nations has been handed down to the church from generation to generation, so that it might be said of all of us that Christ desires to make us fishers of men. Some in the church have been particularly called to minister the Word of God, but collectively we are called to be concerned to see the nets of the gospel spread abroad so that more and more of God's fish might be gathered in until Christ returns. This great commission was given originally to the apostles, But it belongs to the whole church. It has been passed down to us through them. Collectively, we are to be concerned to continue this work until Christ returns to make all things new. Though it is true that only some have been called to preach and teach, all in Christ's church are to pray for the success of the gospel. All are to give of their treasures and talents to support the preaching of the gospel. And all of God's people are to honor Christ in their hearts. They are to honor Him as holy. They are to honor Him as Lord, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks for a reason for the hope that is in us with gentleness and respect. That is 1 Peter 3.15. And so there is a sense in which we are all on mission together. God has uniquely called us. God has uniquely gifted us, each one But as Christ's church, we are to be concerned to see the gospel spread to the ends of the earth. It has already spread to us, but there are people who have still not heard. There are people in far-off lands where the gospel has never been preached, and you know, brothers and sisters, that there are people all around us, even in this place, who have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ articulated clearly. And so we must be concerned to do this work, brothers and sisters. Brothers and sisters, it is not you or I alone who have been commissioned by Christ to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. But it is the church collectively that Christ has entrusted with this mission. It has been passed down to us from Christ and the apostles. And so we are to labor together using the various gifts and resources that God has given to each one of us to see this mission succeed. Together, we must continue to cast the nets of the gospel out into the deep. 
We must cast them, not according to our own wisdom or strength, but in simple obedience to the Word of Christ and with the strength that He supplies. We must trust that He will fill the nets of the Gospel according to His will, by His Word and the working of the Spirit. And when He fills our nets by His grace, we must be faithful to bring these disciples which Christ has caught into the church through the waters of baptism, teaching these to observe all that Christ has commanded, knowing that our Lord is with us even to the end of the age. Christ will further His kingdom. Christ will build His church. But He has determined to do it through His disciples. First, Peter, James, John, and the other apostles, and now us. And I am saying, may the Lord make us faithful and fruitful servants of His. Amen? Amen. Let's bow together for prayer. Father in heaven, we are grateful for Christ, our Savior and Lord. We are grateful that the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel of the kingdom which He Himself preached, has come to our ears. You have called us by the gospel and we are especially grateful, O God, that You have also called us inwardly by the working of the Holy Spirit to draw us to faith and repentance. The salvation that we have is a gift from You. It is all of You, O Lord. I pray that You would help us to realize this more and more so that our gratitude would increase, so that our love for You would increase, so that our obedience to You would increase as well. And God, as we learn more and more about this gospel, and as we come to appreciate all that You have done for us more and more, I pray that You would also make us more and more eager to proclaim it to others. Father, we do long to see a great harvest in our day and in this place. You must do this work, O God. But I pray that You would strengthen our hands. Make us faithful, O God, to proclaim Jesus Christ crucified and risen and the hope that we have in Him. It's in His name that we pray and all of God's people say.